a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Back Rebels and Imperials to Force Coast, Coast to Coast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. And we are here to talk about a novel today. We're here to talk about Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. This is the second in a proposed trilogy of stories focused on Padme Amidala. The first one, Queen's Shadow, we had read probably over a year, maybe two years ago. I don't even know. Who knows? Time is meaningless with the pandemic. Um so I'm not sure when we read it, but we read it at some point. Uh, and the third one is called Queen's Hope, and that one comes out um, uh, in – I think it just came out a few days ago, actually. Um, oh, So nice. we're going to eventually read that one as well. But for now, let's read uh, – let's talk about this one. So refresh the memories of our listeners. Uh, how do we feel about Queen's Shadow? Do we enjoy that book? Uh, Matt, why don't we start with you? I I enjoyed Queen's Shadow. Um, I think it really rounded out the character of Amidala in a way that I both enjoyed and was surprising. It gave a lot of depth to the idea of the handmaidens and the complexity and real cunning of um, Padme and uh, really explained a lot of the weirdness of the character of Queen Amidala um, making it into kind of like a kabuki theater type thing. Um, so I liked that aspect of it. And it, I, honestly, compared to a lot of the stuff we've read, it was really readable and enjoyable and kind of a, you know, delight. Liz, is it, w- was that your experience with uh, Queen's Shadow? To be honest with you, I don't remember exactly what I thought about the novel. I just look back. Me too, Liz. Don't feel bad. Okay. (laughs) That makes me feel better. I just look back. I have a list of books that I read each year. We read it in 2020. Okay. Um, I I, I don't remember exactly, but as I was reading Queen's Peril, I got the feeling that I enjoyed Queen's Shadow more. Maybe because I, I... didn't enjoy this one maybe as much but i can't say for sure yeah i think i enjoyed it kind of but i think i I, you know one of the things that star wars is great for but also cursed by is the ability and desire to make everything fit together perfectly and Mm -hmm. so you can have a series of novels explain like the most pedantic minutiae of of a film because it quote like opens things up or it clarifies things, even if I don't know if like I don't know if I will ever enjoy the Phantom Menace more being like, even though she's a queen, she's elected. Like knowing that, I don't think that's actually going to like, <laughs> you know, make make me enjoy that more. I'm not gonna share that tidbit with my kids as I watch that movie with them. Like it's just not I don't really know if it truly is a a benefit to the film at all. I guess to benefit when I think about Padme as a character. But again, like, it just seems like Star Wars is so full of mulligans of 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 taking an idea that maybe didn't make any sense and then going back and, and trying to, to make some sense of it. Again, mm-hmm. lots of properties do this. Star Wars is just the one we're talking about today, so it's the one that makes the most sense to sort of bitch about that process from. 
But let's talk about this novel. So what I found interesting about this novel was how close the election of Padme was to the events of The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we knew that. Like, when we're watching that movie, you know that she's obviously a young queen, but there mm -hmm. are obviously, you know, some, uh, you know, depending on the, the, the country or planet in this case, you know, people have been queen or king at, you know, as infants or as, you know, small children. So we have no, I had no idea sort of what her, uh, you know, what, what her standing in the, in the government was before this. So I think it's interesting that, you know, she has a very, like, a, a very uh, busy first six months or so of being, <laughs> of being a monarch. Um, yeah. And so I found that interesting. I also found it interesting, though not good, how much time we spent during The Phantom Menace in this book. <laughs> like, I, I really felt like that was an entirely wasted piece of the book, and it's a big piece of the book. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get a little bit further. So, mm -hmm. um, again, starting with Matt, I know Liz said she didn't enjoy this one as much as the, as the first novel. Did you enjoy this one as much or more or less? I I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the first one. Um, a lot of it felt very scattered. Um, they're just a lot of it just random asides. Um, and again, once it overlaid against the Phantom Menace, it really a lot of it fell apart. I think there was an interesting story to be told about the, um, you know, what the internment camps looked like and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it felt much clunkier than the, uh, the first book. Although Liz, it did have a great chapter about Darth Maul. That was, <laughs> yes. Uh, Liz, <laughs> would, does, does that somewhat line up with your criticism of the book as well? Yeah, I like the word Matt used in terms of, you know, the word scattered, that things felt a bit all over the place. Um, and, I, you know, when I read this afterwards, you know, I thought to myself, do I really feel like I learned anything new? Do I feel any differently about Padme now that I've read this entire novel? And I, I can't say that I do which I feel is a, a detriment ultimately to the novel itself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't feel like the story or any of the elements of the story really, um, you know, contributed much to her character, at least, you know, in my mind. Right. Yeah. I, I also, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Matt. I was going to say, I, the ordering is weird. Cause I know star Wars. it, it's always this, you know, starting point then back then forward but if you line up the timeline with the next the original book is we see all of these handmaidens go their separate ways and replaced with other handmaidens in the senate role um and those are the ones we then see carry over into the films like it's a weird again from the start low stakes set even lower right um 
by the timing of the books. Well, I, I believe Sabe is still in the first book. She's the one who goes to Tatooine instead yes. of Padme. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so she was introduced which, which here. Now, which now we realize is a much deeper decision. Yes, I mean, I, so I, I suppose that is that that furthers your point, Matt. There, if this book came out first, we would have felt, and Sabe is put in danger pretty quickly in that situation. We would have mm -hmm. felt more for her had we known anything about her going into yes. this. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent point. Yeah, um, that that is a good point. Yeah, I, I I get that Star Wars kind of invented the prequel, even though it really didn't, but it's at least to claim it did. It just seems to me like the, the the prequel nature of this is simply done as a wink and a nod to the actual Star Wars prequels. Like there there there's nothing in this that feels like the story is not improved at all by getting this portion second. I feel confident mm -mm. in saying that. Yeah, I, I agree. No. Yeah, there there is no there's no payoff to it. Yeah. No. And, you know, I, I thought maybe learning about, you know, the different handmaidens would be interesting, but we just said, like, a cursory backstory. And again, you know, there, there's no real payoff, emotional payoff later on. Maybe some of that will come in the third book, but, but again, I still don't think that that justifies the order of publication. Yeah. I, I want to talk about Sabe for a second. So I, I listened to the audiobook of this. Did you folks read the book itself? Oh, I, I did. Yeah. Okay. I read uh, no, I, I, I read. Wait, which which did you ask? I, 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 did read the the I did the audiobook. You guys read the book? Somebody had checked it out from the uh, Bergen County Library already, so I couldn't listen to it. Oh, okay. Um, oh. Yeah, that was not me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, Brian. No, I, I live in Passaic County, wow. number oh, one. So, then somebody else it, right now. Really? is consuming this book. Yeah. Maybe it's someone listening to our podcast. Let's hope so. That's fun. That would <laughs> yeah. be a fun. If, if, if you are the person who got it from the buckle system, uh, please <laughs> please tweet at us. Uh, I met Brian needs a nap. Let, let me know. I would love to I would love to rub this in Matt's face with an actual name attached to it. Like, yeah. ah, you couldn't get it because Jeremy got it. You know, just that, that sort of thing. Yeah, I was like, was, and I had such a bad headache yesterday. I'm like, I don't want to finish reading this book. And then... And I was like, okay, I got to. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I knew my time would be limited, so I figured an audiobook would be would be preferable in this instance. Um, so I have I have listened to a couple of Star Wars audiobooks, and they do a little bit of sort of song and dance with music and sound effects and that, but not, Ooh. but you know, not terribly much of that. What I always find interesting is that they. If they're going to go to the trouble for all of that, I don't understand why they don't get a couple different voice actors to do it then. Uh, but this is just mm -hmm. one one uh, reader, and let me let me say this kindly: I think that she's she did Padme and the Handmaidens very well, but let's say her Palpatine left something to be desired, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as well as a couple other characters. Um, yeah, Those seem like. A wide range of characters. Yes, and that, that is not yeah. her fault, right? She was she was asked to do a lot, but her sheave mm -hmm. did not quite have that sheave uh, <laughs> velour to his voice that I want so badly, you know. Um, but but you know, Sabe gets the most sort of 
time here. She's the first handmaiden to be approached. She is, um, you know, again, because we know what comes for her in the second book, we have a, or the first book, rather, we have a little bit more connection to that character. She also has the ability to convince Padme to do stupid things, like go to that concert. Mm-hmm. The, the, all I could think of was let's appeal to the youth the whole time I was reading yes. that. I'm surprised it wasn't called like Snoke Cella and it was like, a, <laughs> like some, sort of, some sort of outdoor uh, music festival. It was just that was a really sloppy sequence. Like, yeah, just the idea of them sneaking out of the castle. And I understand that you know, or the the palace, whatever it's called. I understand the conceptual. We, it, it's it's hard to tell a story about a queen because the queen's life is so cloistered. I mm-hmm. totally understand that challenge, but no one made you tell a story about the queen. Like you chose to write this book. Therefore, you should have some ideas as to how to handle it that aren't. Let's literally do the trick from every movie where people make like a chain out of sheets and go down (laughs) out of a window and then go to a concert. It just it was all very um, it just I don't know if that added anything to the story. I guess it gave Sabe a bit of a love interest, which I suppose is interesting. Um, Yeah, it gave the. uh... The romantic entanglements, because listen, I I agree with uh, E.K. Johnson. Is that her name? Yes, E.K. Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know what? If they are not going to put a gay character on film, we are damn certain going to make every character in every book, comic, <laughs> and ancillary media gay. Yes, or queer. Let me let me queer. Right, queer. Um, yeah. So, because <laughs> man. Until you get Afra on screen, no. Yeah. It's not going to stop. Yeah. Are they dating each other who just all look like each other? Sure. Is that <laughs> weird? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I really thought there was going to be some inter-handmaiden inter romance. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for that. That did not happen, though. Um, Wait, did, did it not in the no, she was date. No, she, no, she she dates the, the other. It's like a um, – she was attracted to the, the – like. There was that there was that uh, conference that Padme held, and she was a leader from another another system. Yeah, but she was. But then Padme was overcome by the jealousy, and they almost told each other how they felt. But it took until much later for them to admit their feelings. Oh, I didn't think that was a thing. Oh, I, I didn't. Pick, I, I, is is this some fanfic coming out, Matt? Did you, did you do we have do, do we I have don't like, know. do we have Queen's shawl or something like your 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 uh, listen, your after dark listen, version of this? The that, really, that wasn't a subplot. Well, what happened with the two handmaids that didn't like each other at the end? Well, I thought the two of them were a thing before this all started, and that's why they tried to keep separate. Yeah, they were the only two that knew each other beforehand, and I didn't know if that was romantic or not because then they were like sharing a bed. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't figure out what that situation yeah. was. This is both on me and on audiobooks. I feel like it is harder to get subtext from an audiobook sometimes. Mm. Um, and so, because you're just kind of, you're listening to it, and it's a more narrative, you know, um, exercise. But, uh, yeah, I, I could see that one, but I, I don't think there was a, 
I didn't read that as them having been a couple. I met I read that as just them being just not liking each other. But that's an interesting read. I, I don't disagree with it. I just it didn't occur to me in the moment. Yeah, because uh, there was a lot of a lot of there's just a lot of time spent on the physical touching of the two of them in the tent. So yes, okay. Uh, the mm-hmm. other thing I'll say is that the other hard part of the audiobook is because all of the main characters in this book are pretty much exactly the same age and have to speak exactly the same way, it makes it very hard to understand who is talking at certain times. Mm. I yeah, I don't think that was any easier in the written book either. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem like, is, too, they had distinctive names, and they're like, let's make all of our names yes. basically the same. Yeah. And I think something I had learned from the other, the original book was don't even bother trying to get it straight. It's not going to matter. Yeah. Like, yeah. the handmaidens are essentially going to be interchangeable. They'll each have their own quirks, but the book will tell you when those quirks come into play, and you're not going to need to track that at all. See, like, like this, okay. What this really needed was a catchy theme song because – uh, and this, I don't even know how this originally came up, but my son has been obsessed with the 80s Ninja Turtles theme song lately. Yes. Mm. And so he now knows that Raphael is cool but rude and Michelangelo's a party mm-hmm. dude. If they were like, Sabe is blank and whatever. Like mm-hmm. if, they, if, they, if we had a catchy theme song that gave a distinctive quality about each of them in the beginning of the book, it would have much easier for all of us. You're right, because I knew which Ninja Turtle was which. Exactly, we all mm-hmm. did. Time. Yes. Donatello and, does okay. machines. Leonardo leads. We know this because the song yeah. lays it out for you real simply. So if it there was does, only a right. catchy theme song, we'd have been much, much better yeah. off here. Huh. That bends on to something. Yeah. 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 Uh, he he thinks that Michelangelo being a part of dude is the funniest shit in the universe. He's like, he just laughs and laughs well, at that. Imagine that's like your distinctive quality when you're an adult. I assume he thinks right. they're adults. Uh, yeah. He knows he knows they're teenagers. That's what adults right is like. Liz, does on. that mean cocaine? In right. The yeah. 80s? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but teenagers well, are like almost adults when you're that, a kid. That, that's true. That's true. If you if you watch the introductory of the intro the intro of the cartoon now, you'll see that. The way they designate Raphael being rude is by throwing a pizza at the screen, and the way they designate Michelangelo being a party dude is he's he's basically on a disco floor, like one of those light up floors from Saturday Night Fever, and he like spins around and is break dancing. <laughs> so yes, cocaine essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a party, it's a party dude. Yeah. So uh, again, there should have been some sort of theme song, or. Yeah. Or they should have done like the Ramones. It is they had their unusual first names, but all took like Amadala as the last name, just so that yeah. we could have mm. some sense of who they are. Because it really was confusing at times. Yeah, or even just part of it too was like the novel just told you what was happening. There was never any real point. Or like when characters spoke, they all spoke the same way. If they gave them like a distinctive way of speaking right. or anything like that, but the novel is just like tell 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 there was no even just distinctive like dialect or way of speaking or like phrasing or you know someone had i I hesitate to say this but catchphrase (laughs) anakin liked flying anakin did like flying i had that written down twice anakin really liked flying oh man i laughed so hard at that yeah (laughs) but Uh, see you remember it and it was just one line yes absolutely um 
And again, like to your point, Liz, I think that would have made it much easier to read, but also would have totally undermined the idea of them being these interchangeable handmaidens. You're absolutely so, like, right. Like, if one of them had a Cockney accent, that would be very hard to hide. <laughs> well, like, you're hello, right. governor. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It distracts from the total purpose of the novel. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I agree. Like, there should have been, you know, there should have been something. And I get really mad whenever people say, like, well, it's the confines of the story was set in. But it's a fictional story. Like we're not talking about an actual war that happened, and we have to deal with the fallout. Like people wrote this story, and so make yeah. it better. I don't know. Um, so I, I want to talk about sort of the, the two halves of the book as I see them. I more enjoyed the first half, which was about Amidala, like about Padme establishing Amidala as sort of a a personality, developing the voice, developing the look. Uh, mm -hmm. even even dumb shit like hiding guns in the throne room like all of that stuff to me was okay we're building to something here I like the mm -hmm. world that we're building to this is coolish and then we got the second half which was just the Phantom Menace without the best stuff from the Phantom Menace in it um, did either of you enjoy the Phantom Menace <laughs> stuff at all or no I liked seeing the story through Jar Jar's eyes, I will say, but the idea of the Gungan's view of the barbaric um, land dwellers was very interesting to see. Um, but that novelty wore off pretty quick, and that was that's so. a pretty short section too. Yeah, yeah. I could have done with just that. Like I didn't need all the rest of it. Right, like, and I, I think a a book from a Gungan perspective, it would probably be very annoying to read just from like a having mm -hmm. to sound out what like Misa and you know, there's other horrible contractions. <laughs> like having to read that will be torture, but that is a perspective we don't necessarily get often. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's a good point. Um, that mm -hmm. is interesting, Liz. Oh, I also of... liked sorry. with uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. So I was gonna say, I also liked with um, Anakin's mom, yes. Oh yeah, I think yeah, I I feel like I felt for Shmi, unfortunate name, more <laughs> in the idea of watching, wanting to watch her son being so scared, um, and for him seeing his mangled body and having Watto not care, um, as they like reassemble his legs, like that idea. I felt more for her in that moment than I did watching her, you know, die of over sexual assault. Like, I don't know what the hell that was. Um, right. But yeah, it's uh that was that was a moment that that was that was good. Um, it was at least something. Right? Yeah. Like, I it, mean, again, the book wasn't about Anakin. I don't know why that was in there. Right, right. Liz, was there any part of the the Phantom Menace stuff that you enjoyed? Um, I I was gonna add on to what Matt said. Didn't Shmi also have? Wasn't she also building something herself? Mm -hmm. Didn't she seem to be adept along the line, like along the same way, um, along the lines of the way her son is as well? I thought that was mm -hmm. interesting. Also, yeah, she was building the video monitor. We see her watch the uh, race on in the movie. Okay. Yeah, so I, you know, I thought that was you know kind of interesting since she didn't really um, you know have too much to do on her own in the movies. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think I agree, Brian. I liked the first half of the novel. I felt like it was building to something. And I was curious to see where it was leading. And I, I think I enjoyed the second half of the novel in terms of anticipation. And then it didn't really pay off in a way that I enjoyed in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you I know... Think it, yeah, it, I, I don't know how it could. That, but, that was that um, was be my question. Like, is there a way to have made it pay off? I don't know, and I I, I don't know Wait. if I knew where it was heading, and I'm I'm not sure. I think that's something I need to think about too. Did you not think it was heading into the scene where they don't give Chewbacca a medal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was hoping that, for. That was a weird moment. You're like, oh, what? See, I actually thought that. I mean, I I. My note was totally unnecessary epilogue, but my my question here is like one of the great shames of Star Wars is that we're constantly being told how much Luke is or isn't like Anakin, but we're never given anything with Leia being like Anakin or like Padme. Leia is really not a. Uh, Leia is not really referenced as being the antecedent of of her parents. You get that from her parents on um, on Alderaan. Like you definitely see her very much as the child of you know Bell Organa, and I forget Bell's wife's name. She's she's mm-hmm. a snack too. I should know her name, but I forget I forget <laughs> uh, her name now. Um, but you but you you know what I mean. Like there there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of foreshadowing in either direction of this is something Leia would do later, or that's something that that's that's so Padme, right? Um, like we, we we don't get we don't get any of that, and I thought that this could have been a nice opportunity to get to do some of that, um, you know, like uh, retroactively to show how how yeah. Padme is more like Leia, or do a very Luke thing, whatever, like you know, just show how. Show because we know their kids, her kids, much better than we know her. Connect the dots there, and they really didn't do that at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. No, that that is true. You mean thro- throwing that at the end? What didn't? Uh... No, because she doesn't <laughs> yeah, do anything it... in that scene. No, nope. is, that's how they open. They open the novel and close it the same way, right? With that reference to Leia, but that's about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's funny because there was a ref. I didn't when that when that started. If and again, I I I maybe am misremembering this. I felt like it started with a. Um, it did not necessarily. You didn't realize where you were seeing Leia. It just had like the girl in the white dress, mm-hmm. which also I don't think she's wearing a white dress in that scene. In the movie. When she's giving out these medals, I don't think she is, but that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there was some stuff that was referenced in there that comes from the Leia Princess of Alderaan novel, which is actually one of my favorite Star Wars novels I've read. Um, oh, that is about her sort of. Um, <laughs> she goes on this like, oh, what's the name of the thing the kids go on when they're in high school, like a wilderness adventure thing. Mm-hmm. Like what, outward bound, outward bound. Yes, she eventually goes on mm-hmm. Alderaan, Alderaanian outward bound with um, what's her name from the Last Jedi with the pink hair, Holdo. Oh, uh, um, yeah, Holdo. Holdo is there, and we see like her first romance there, and it, it's actually quite good. That that really felt like that did 
bolster the Leia character a bit. So the fact that E.K. Johnston was referencing that, I was like, oh, I like that book. This could be good. But again, it's just Star Wars loves nothing more than showing us a scene we've already seen from a slightly different perspective. <laughs> it loves doing that. Thinks it's great. So, um, yeah, I, I don't understand why we had that epilogue, but that's okay, I guess. That's not... That's not terrible. It just doesn't really fit with the rest of the novel. Just like to yeah. me, a lot of the Phantom Menace, like the side stuff, the Jar Jar stuff, the Shmi stuff, the Maul stuff, none of that stuff really has anything to do with Padme. No. It was just like a reminder that that was going on also. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I don't – I don't know. Yeah. I really think that like, if, if you look at the big whiteboard – in Pablo Hidalgo's office, the like thing that's circled that is then there's a line coming out of it that says Johnston novels is like somebody has to explain Naboo politics because it makes no sense. And, <laughs> and so we're getting three books to essentially do just that. Mm -hmm. um, Although these books apparently contradict information that had been laid out originally about Naboo politics. So, so I had read that there's something about how in the novel Tarkin it talks about how there was a king for 15 mm -hmm. years before the fall, before the rise of the empire, and now that's pretty hard to figure out how that would work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's okay, I guess. That Tarkin novel wasn't great. Um, Listen, not, not, not everything needs to fit together. No, it doesn't. Especially like, when you think about how many mistakes were probably in the history books we read in school. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is just one planet, let alone like a galaxy of planets. Yep, it's uh, a good way, good way to frame it. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, I did. I did like the the galactic politics of the um, of the system. That was interesting. I didn't even think of that. That you know, Naboo is not just a planet; it's a system, and she's the queen of the system. But then. There's no other elected official of the system, and then that's kind of superseded again by the senator. It's like it's very weird. Yes, there, um, there's a queen, a governor, and a senator, and all mm -hmm. of them kind of have no power amongst each other. But I don't know. Yeah. And what I did like was this idea of this. We saw the curtain pulled back a little bit, where this utopian everyone is an artist. It's beautiful. Um, beyond belief is really only held up by the fact that the people that do real labor live on other planets and then yes. the artists just get to benefit off of it, which you're like, Oh, that totally makes sense. Yep. I could see that. Yep. Um, that was interesting. I mean, we didn't really do much with it because as soon as we started getting into those politics, we had the, uh, trade federation blockade. Right. Oh, that was also not great. Her, uh, her, um, Oh, what's the new gun ray? The narrator's new gun ray was, was as problematic <sighs> as the portrayal in the film. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Even yeah. now? Oh. Even now, yes. I mean, I guess to be fair, like, they shot their shot, right? Like, you, you know that's what new You, you yeah. can't all of a sudden yeah, change his voice Yeah, breakfast at Tiffany's here. You can't yeah, get exactly. around that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. That once once the blockade came in, it sort of derailed all of the good stuff that was happening beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I, I guess what, what I want to ask before we get, is we are going to read the third novel eventually. I think we'll probably take a little bit of a break before we do that. But when we get to that third novel, what do you want to see? It takes place when she is a senator, which mm-hmm. is funny that it's still queen. But, you know, I get that, you know, you can't change the name of the third book um, because of whatever. But so what do you think? What do you want to see? What is the stuff from Padme that you would like to see in a third novel? What's the the time frame? Do we know like when it takes place? Let me see. Okay, so pre Anakin, during Anakin. So this, just for some context, this book takes place thirty two. So everything in Star Wars is based around the Battle of Yavin Four from the End of a New Hope. So the first book took place 28 years before the Battle of Yavin 4. This mm-hmm. book took place 32 years. So this is four years before the second book. The next one is 22 years. So it's six years after the first book. And it looks like 22 is the year of the Battle of Geonosis. Okay. So this is this is firmly in Attack of the Clones Mm-hmm. territory because um, I, I I would love to see the Stockholm syndrome from the inside um, and have Padme's perspective on why she falls for this psychopath in her wake <laughs> right yeah uh, yeah I need some um, handmaiden gossip about yeah, uh, some TV what, being some spoiled, about what's yeah. going on here mm-hmm. uh, with Anakin. I I could really yep. go for that. Okay, do, wait, do, wait a second. Do, do they switch? Does he get does he get faked out by the by? Oh, I I hope he bangs Sabe. Oh, I, that's a fun <laughs> twist. Yeah. I hope yeah, there's a scene of multiplicity. Have you seen the Michael Keaton movie Multiplicity where uh, Andy McDowell sleeps with the three Michael Keaton clones in like a 20-minute span? I hope that happens <laughs> where he just keeps banging different bandmates. <laughs> that might be the fan fiction. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he just unleashes the really worst stuff. Uh, no, he tells he tells her that he killed a bunch of kids. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's okay. You're so hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, uh, so he, here is I, – I will read you the publisher's summary for the book. Padme is adjusting to being a wartime senator during the Clone Wars. Her secret husband, Anakin Skywalker, which is just a funny phrase, uh, is off fighting the war and excels at being a wartime Jedi. In contrast, when Padme has the opportunity to see casualties on the war-torn front lines, she is horrified. The stakes have never been higher for the galaxy or for the newly married couple. Meanwhile, Padme, on a secret mission, her handmaid, her handmaiden Sabe steps into the role of Senator Amidala, something no handmaiden has done for an extended period of time. While in the Senate, Sabe is equally horrified by the machinations that happen there. She comes face-to-face with a gut-wrenching decision as she realizes that she cannot fight a war this way, not even for Padme. And Chancellor Palpatine hovers over all of it, manipulating the players to his own ends. Not not the type of machinations I was looking for. No, mm-hmm. no. What is very interesting, though, is mm-hmm. I got a book in the mail from Lucasfilm yesterday that is called Ooh. Brotherhood, and that is a book about Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan that is set in the same year. Oh. Mm. So that might actually be a fun thing to me. Maybe we compare and contrast those. Yeah. We had, we had a good sense of 22 BBY. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 22 BBY. Yep. 
um, man, there's something in my head. Did it also strike anybody else odd that Palpatine spent so much time admiring the decorations for his office when we've seen nothing but <laughs> him be completely Spartan in all of his surroundings? Yeah. Huh. Dude sits in like an empty tuna can <laughs> for most of the time that we see him on screen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like he's he's prepping for the opulence of being the chancellor, right? Mm-hmm. But we never actually see the chancellor's office. I mean, maybe we do. I don't remember. Yeah, doesn't he throw a oh, you're right. mace out of it? <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Are, are there some things in that room? I don't remember. Do some things go flying out the window? Am I confusing that with... I, I'm sure... I mean, a hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt, th- this is... I mean, we all know who this character is, but Matt's going to be particularly interested in this. It looks like Brotherhood, that novel, has a sequence with uh, Asajj Ventress in it. Oh. oh, okay. Nice. So, yeah. So yeah, maybe that'll be a summer project. Maybe we'll read both of those books over mm-hmm. the summer when Liz is not in school and we're not torturing her with uh, with Star Wars novels. Sure. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. As long as it's not the end of the marking period. Yeah. So any <laughs> other notes on this, uh, this novel? No. <laughs> no. I had a thought today, and I want to pose this thought, even though I know what the answer is, I want to ask you folks the question. Is it possible in the structure of Star Wars for them for there to be a really like transcendent, interesting, surprising novel at this point? Um, based on like based, already established yes, characters. Yes, there ha- yes. So okay. obviously you can create a new character. You can do Joe the Jedi and do an interesting story mm-hmm. there. But Ooh, like that's what I would read, Joe the Jedi. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Bob the Builder, doesn't it? Like a, <laughs> a little kid version of this. Um, mm-hmm. but like you know, I, I just feel like because of the way that the way that all this stuff is so closely guarded, like. So yeah. there, there, there was a thing when I was growing up where uh, in one of the extended universe books, Chewbacca dies because a moon falls on him. Ooh. And like, <laughs> I'm almost positive that's true. Maybe I, that could have been a rumor. I'm going to look here. Uh, hang on. Chewbacca <laughs> dies moon. Okay. Um, yes. In the 1999 novel, The New Jedi Order, Vector Prime, Chewbacca ends up sacrificing himself for Han Solo and his friends. Uh, Chewie's the haunted everyone else may live ends up dying when a moon falls on top of him. I did not make that up. Okay. Wow. Chewie. So, like, I don't want moons to fall on the characters we love necessarily. Yeah. But I think that at an earlier time, you could do something shocking with a character. Yeah. It might. In my mind, they want to save all of those, I, I guess for lack of a better word or term, interesting plots for movies, TV shows. I, 
you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there are so many other ancillary characters, but it seems like Star Wars is just always playing it safe. I mean, even when we're joking around saying the things, you know, we want to see in the next Padme book. I mean, I, I just know those won't be the things that we will see. Mm-hmm. And not that those things are really, you know, so outlandish. They still stick with, I, they're not changing the trajectory of the story. But in my mind, I just know that's not what will be produced. It could happen. I would read it. I'd be more interested in reading it, probably. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I always wind up making a joke about fan fiction. I've read no fan fiction whatsoever. But I feel like whenever that comes up, I make that joke. I have no idea what actually is contained within fan fiction. But I, I think maybe that's why there is so much of it. I think the, the best that they can do are essentially like the clickbait BS stuff that the comic books do like, Oh no, Han Solo has a wife kind of, but you know, not really. Right. Um, look at this character. They're back. It doesn't matter though, because we can't get Daenerys Targaryen back on screen. So <laughs> she's just going to live in this comic book for a little bit. It was like Darth Vader versus IG 88 for three panels. And then it's over. Like, I I feel like that's what Star Wars feels is shaking things up. Uh, but it, it it doesn't the the stakes are just so low um that I can't imagine a, a book ever having anything exciting um happen with a main character. And let me say, like I, I think I've used this exact analogy before on the podcast, so apologies, long time listeners. One of my favorite books is The Mezzanine by Nicholson Baker. It takes place on a man's journey up a, up an escalator. The entire book takes place from a man going on an escalator up one flight of stairs. It's all in his head. It is no action happens. There's nothing crazy that happens. There is no, like, mind-altering thing. So I don't think a Star Wars novel has to have Chewbacca being crushed by a moon to be interesting. I just think that there is... There is this sense that anything that Lucasfilm approves for people to write just falls into these fill-in-the-blank moments as opposed to something that could really be interesting. Like, for instance, I know they want to do more with the period of time between Return of the Jedi and the sequel trilogy. I know they want to do more there. But they're dragging their feet getting there because they don't want to kill off a potential Luke show. They don't want to kill off a potential Han Solo cartoon or whatever the case may be. So, but but until you start telling those stories that that have character growth and change, the only stories you can tell are just these incredibly ancillary tales. And I just want a story where I feel like the characters went through a change, where I'm entertained by it. And I think this is kind of like the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe effect of Star Wars 2, where I enjoy the MCU movies. I always say every one of them is a 6 out of 10, three of them are 7 out of 10. Like, But no, no MCU movie is going to go for it in the way that other films can go for it because it's playing this delicate balancing act of having to fit into this puzzle. And I just get bummed out when I think about how I want all these Star Wars books to be so good, but we rarely get that because of the conservatism that goes into producing them. 
But what's weird to me, though, is like with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the the movies are all kind of in this vein, but the TV shows are allowed to kind of swing for the fences sometimes. And I don't know why in a book you can't just go big. Like, what is the risk well, of I, that? I, I, don't... I have a very practical answer to that, which is I think that the TV shows that have gone big for the most part were how can I say this? All right, so when Disney Plus launched, everybody was very excited about Disney Plus. They were excited about a Star Wars show, and Star Wars chose like one of their most classic pieces of iconography and built the show around that. Mm-hmm. People were going to subscribe to Disney Plus not because of The Mandalorian, or if they did, great, but there was all this other content to produce. If someone's going to plunk down 22 bucks for a novel, they, there needs to be a hook to get them to buy that book. There mm-hmm. has to be a picture of somebody they know on the cover. Yeah, I get it. It's the same reason why Broadway shows are, are 90% movies now. Because if you're going to spend the money, you want to know what you're getting into. Right. The time that that doesn't happen is when they do something like the New Republic, the stuff that's set, you know, or the, the High Republic, rather, it's set way in the past. And but those are the ones that they put a lot of marketing money behind. Like I have mm-hmm. seen more advertisements for the higher public than I have for any Star Wars novel before or since. Those mm-hmm. books they really want to push out there, and that's cool. But even those books to me are not allowed to really because it all has to fit together. I really wish that's why I, I don't know if it's even happening anymore. But the the trilogy that Ryan Johnson was supposed to do after the um. The Last Jedi was supposed to be set something like hundreds of years in the future or in the past and have nothing to do with any Star Wars characters we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. I think that that's fantastic. I wish they'd give more people an opportunity to do that. Just tell these stories that don't necessarily connect and just move on and let let them do something bold and, and interesting because I'm just so tired of this being of these stories being unfortunately a uh all all of this Star Wars media just feeling like padding for mm-hmm. and especially because who knows when we're getting the next quote movie that matters, right? Like the only Star Wars movie that we know is coming out. I mean even the like the the fucking um what was it called? Uh Rogue Squadron movie got mm-hmm. delayed. Yeah, that was supposed to be like soon, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Hang on, I'm looking up now. I haven't heard anything about that recently. Or about the Taika Waititi one. Mm-hmm. All I think a lot of those are just they're in development someplace. So um, it looks like Rogue Squadron. See now, I feel like. I'm always pissed off that Wikipedia is not the most up-to-date source um, <laughs> because you would think like if 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 this is what they're all about, they should be up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been taking off the production schedule. It was supposed to be released on December twenty second, twenty twenty three, but it hasn't. There's not a script or haven't they ever started filming yet? 
And Star Wars films take so long to do post-production on because of the special effects. That mm-hmm. is really late. So we're talking probably earliest 2024 if we're going to see that film. So if you're not using the characters, you're not doing the film stuff right now, then let the books be really interesting. I don't know. I'm just yeah. This bummed me out, guys. I really, I really wanted to have a better experience with this book. I really did. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of felt the same way. That's why when I was reading it, I was like, "Did I like the other book? I feel like I liked the other book more. I don't know." But yeah. It it just didn't really deliver anything. The mm-hmm. only good news of this whole thing is this got me googling Ryan Johnson, and it looks like Knives Out Two is coming out this year. Oh, that's a bonus. Have you guys seen Knives Out? Oh, yes. I have not. Oh, man, you're going to love Knives Out. Watch Knives Out. It's so good. It's a great movie. I will. Yeah, it's on, I think it's on Prime Video, too, so. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, it's a whodunit that I've watched more than once, so. Mm, Yes. I knew knew who did it the second time. (laughs) Yes. Uh, An amazing cast, too. Uh, An amazing cast. Jamie Lee Curtis. Um uh chris evans um oh what's the guy's name uh he was the bat he was on uh what's that show called Boardwalk empire uh and he was in the color the shape of water um whatever he's great in it too it's a great movie great movie you'll enjoy it don johnson's in it too don johnson's great in it (laughs) so there we go all right uh well anyway sorry to end this on a depressing note folks uh, in more depressing news, we're going to talk about droids again next time. So, <laughs> oh, oh no, man. <laughs> we're going we're to finish I, off. I like how th- there wasn't zero droid in this book, just minimal droid. Yes, uh, they, it's, it's like they knew that we were going to be uh, talking about droids next yeah. time. So, so anyway, uh, watch that second. It's just one, like one. I think it's one one-hour episode is all we have left. This quote, yeah. season two, Zaphod Beeblebrox again. <laughs> <laughs> that is not his name, but it's closer than it that should be. That is not be. his name. That's the guy. That's the guy from Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, enjoy uh, that, and then we'll be back in two weeks to talk about it. And remember, until next time, the sports will be with you always.